Hello and welcome to the Overly Animated Podcast, where we take animation seriously. We provide fan-oriented and analytic discussions on a variety of animated shows, movies, and anime, currently featuring Steven Universe, Voltron Legendary Defender, Star Wars, The Force of Evil, and Ruby. I'm Dylan Heisen, and today I'm joined by Justin Cummings. Hello. And Jeff Anderson. Howdy, howdy. Today, Justin, Jeff, and I will be discussing episodes continuing our Voltron season, Voltron Legendary, Legendary Defender season two coverage. Today, discussing episodes 11 and 12, um, the two last two episodes before the finale, Staying Alive and Best Laid Plans. Um, we'll get into everything from these two episodes. We have not seen the finale yet, so we'll make predictions to at the end, the last, the finale being the last episode, even though Best Laid Plans is kind of part one. Um, but uh, yeah, no spoilers for the finale, just 12 and all episodes 12 and before. And you can check out all of our season two coverage up until this point at overlyanimated.com or search for the Overly Animated Podcast on iTunes, your favorite podcatcher. Um, so let's just take this 11 then 12 this time, I think. So no need to give uh, 12 reactions yet. Let's just focus on 11 for now because I think 12 will lead in well to our finale speculation and such. So... Uh, Justin, what are your thoughts on episode 11, Staying Alive? I binged uh, 9 through 12 in a row, and I'm having a hard time So 11, yeah, I mean, yeah. 11, yeah, 11 was good. My thing is, I felt it bled a little bit too much right into 12. 11 did definitely bleed into 12. So 11, um, you, our, the most prominent thing would be our uh, fight with the real beast from season one in space and uh, a lot of stuff surrounding that and kind of ended with this uh, existential stuff with like the the look at look let's look back on what all we've done so okay far. 11 yeah. ended with like the the, yeah. the group looking up at the sky and yeah, stuff like, like that, i yeah. want a calzone okay yeah okay i know where we are it was good i liked seeing the callback with the row beast i like the fight i love the balmorans like that's my favorite planet we've been to so i really enjoyed that you know callback seeing them again seeing that it wasn't just like a one-off thing that like we are truly building this alliance and we're building this universe together and i i kind of like that because not enough shows like this go back to the places they've been to and i thought that was pretty cool uh yeah definitely get into our uh shay reappearance yay Very... i love shay so much shay's great yeah asked for hunk uh it's real uh I love shay. hunk wasn't there though jeff thoughts on staying alive absolutely gorgeous fight scene in space i just love the choreography and the uh the explosions very well done um very well done artistically i don't know about like as far as like, i wish i would have known more about you know, like well, why do i have this random monster just come back from the dead with superpowers to yeah. sort of deal with it um wasn't a fan of the allura like being discouraged side plot thing i don't know um and uh some great science in the writing of this show of this episode. Ooh, so interesting. Some great science. I think that's Jeff's highest praise that he can give. Mm. Out. Yeah. Um, I think that staying alive is, would be on my short list for most beautifully animated episodes of television ever. Um, like, I think that it's probably the best looking episode of this show. Uh, and this show is like the best looking <laughs> animated show ever, maybe outside of Korra, but this is probably even an advancement at this point. And, uh, just so many like the the this this episode i mean i don't like this episode doesn't have a narrative to fit the like amount of work that went into everything production wise for it like its narrative is fine i think major and script for this episode is okay she didn't have a lot to work with but um like the highlight is uh the the giant fights in space the incredible shots at the ends of them like there's one shot from the back with a lens flare there's close-ups to all their faces um incredible backgrounds of uh the balmerin planet of um of space and all of like the colors going around it's it's i can't overstate how like incredibly good looking this episode was and uh for that reason alone i do think it's one of the best of the season uh like i don't think the narrative is there but i also don't think it's been there all season so like this has been this is a particularly notable one for me it reminds me a lot of the uh um the fight scene with cora in season three finale with zaheer just the way they're zooming around in, in the air yeah uh, just, just the technical awesomeness yeah i agree i wouldn't be surprised if we learned that uh joaquin storyboarded some of uh some of that stuff this episode he did all of the cora's Zahir stuff at the end of 
of book three and now he's he's the co-showrunner of this so it's yeah um definitely good comparison so let's get into uh i think like the i guess we could either start with uh uh like all of the like planned stuff that's happening i guess let's let's start with this robies fight so uh i would not have expected um a random like fish thing from from last season from balmera to come back to life and for us to that be for that to be one of the biggest fights this season it seems like an interesting choice Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess the reason is because uh, Zarkon's not really in a send out Roby mood, <laughs> so we kind of have to bring back the other one. I will say one of my big takeaways was when this thing came out and we started fighting it. I was like, "Wow, I didn't know how much I missed the Robeast. This is way better than anything we've been doing recently. Why aren't we just fighting cool things instead of uh, having like uh, angsty plot stuff with uh, resistance?" I would much. I kind of looking back, I like much prefer the fighting the random cool things in season one. I think to a lot of stuff we've been doing here and i like this was like a nice season one callback episode for me when i first saw the robies wake up i had it had been a while since i've seen this thing and i was like wait didn't it have like a head or something i can't remember and then they then they did mention like yeah it doesn't have a head okay i wasn't misremembering yeah i did i i didn't have a fish head originally and it got it must have gotten cut off cut off i guess yeah um So the thing kind of like merged, I guess the thing merged with the crystals on Balmera to like make it weird crystallized, but I... Some weird interaction with the techno sorcery going on. It seems very weird that they did not destroy this thing before. Yeah. Um, I guess I understand not wanting to like shoot up the Balmera in a live planet. So I guess that's why you just leave it in the crystals, but you could have broken it off, flew it into space and blew it up like they did now. (laughs) I feel like that's the way to go. Uh... Justin, what are, what are your thoughts on bringing a Robeast back here? Um, were you did this make you miss the, the Robeast? Did you uh, particularly like this fight? I liked the fight a lot, and I thought that it 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 lent it lent a certain feel of continuation. Like I talked about going back to Balmera, it's it's nice to see this callback because it's more of just a callback and like a meta moment. Like, oh, remember this guy from season one? It's also this this sense of kind of permanence of the Galra, where like typically when you have like a monster of the week villain, they'll show up, they'll be beaten, and we'll never hear never hear from them again. This kind of was like, okay, you left it, and here now there's consequences because of your action. Like had Voltron not been there and a row beast like emerged without Voltron coming back, that could have been devastating for Balmera. So seeing kind of consequences beyond one episode you know people always joke about in power rangers oh the entire city's on fire next episode it's fine this show this episode kind of had that consequence and that permanence and i really liked it they could have executed a bit better but i really enjoyed it i think i think you always say that i don't think other people are watching the power rangers to say that but well i mean think about it 90 (laughs) percent of angel grove is the abandoned warehouse district i think you always say that okay anyway yeah um, i agree with like the the permanence thing there's something i I remember from last season in fact at the balmera planet how we revisited it because we have these consequences and it's not just let's go to a new planet every week um yeah this is definitely like our our return location here is the most notable planet from season one um and i don't i think it was a little bit of a waste of a return we didn't really do anything but it was nice to see it uh and like bringing back the robeast is good i guess this is our most powerful one from last season so that's kind of cool like i remember definitely remember the fight scene with it um and uh yeah i don't know how much like and so i think the other major thing about this is that uh we're fighting this thing in space like i think this is um i don't remember every one of our past robies fights but i feel like this is our first like like we've had space battles with like zarkom but this is well we had the 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 very previous Robeast was the one who sucked in crystals and beamed him right out. That was in space. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. I know we had one uh, Robeast fight this season before this, and I don't remember a lot of it. But, uh, yeah, I thought this was um, much more of, like, a grand scale than our typical ones. And I, I don't know. I thought it really worked for me. Uh, for sure. Like, yeah, like everything here. Um, it was just, I, 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 yeah, like, I don't know how much analysis I have, but, like, uh, the colors of all the... <laughs> the the paladins in space with uh like the use of the lions um because like they didn't have all the lions they have to get the lions and it's like oh we can't form voltron so this is our first forming of voltron i feel like in forever too uh so that i think it's yeah. been a you little know, bit 
sometimes I feel like the forming of Voltron is just ripe for a uh, uh, crossroads of destiny moment. You know, like oh, form Voltron. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. oh yeah. Actually, not. We're gonna die. I agree, and they kind of like uh, say that this episode, like we can't yeah. do it because uh, it'll attack us when we're taking the minute long reused animation too <laughs> to do it. Uh-huh. Did think they changed they changed the animation this season, right? With the, really, uh, I don't think they did. I wanted it. Um. It seemed different to me this episode, but I don't know. Um, in general, I really need them to stop reusing the animation for this. Like this yeah. show, it's. Um, I mean, I've seen different variations, but I haven't seen any variation this season. I did not see last season, so I don't know. I thought this episode had variation. I don't know though. I'm definitely not the <laughs> the Voltron forming animation expert, but the, it's it's such a staple of the genre, though. I mean, if you don't like reused animation, Tokusatsu and mech anime is just not the genre for you. I mean, I'd love to see them kind of break that mold. But the creators really seem to have a love for the original. And so I don't see such a classic staple of the genre going away, which I mean, it sucks, but it is iconic. It is such a key, you know, trope in the genre. You almost have to have it at this point. It feels very Voltron. Um, I don't think I would classify this show as a mech anime. Like, I think that this is, um, for almost everything except a few things that they feel the need to hold on to, this is just, uh, like a normal, uh, like, it's, this is like the next version of, of Korra combined with a, uh, remnants of, uh, you know, uh, of, of this, uh, of mech anime space stuff, sci-fi, like, but, but they want it to be a mech anime. They d- I they, definitely, they I want... definitely think they want it to. And I think that's a mistake. Like, I, like, I don't think it's, why a mis- is it a mistake? Well, it's not a mistake to like have giant mech fights. That's cool. But to uphold, to, uh, to, uh, kind of, uh, for no, not much reason other than nostalgia or upholding to genre conventions to have certain elements, I think is, um, illogical. I, they should, uh, pick and choose based on what they think is right for this show. It's its own Personally, thing. Personally, I love genre and the elements that become associated with genre. And I think that sticking with the norm was honestly a bolder move because, like you said, so many people are expecting Korra and, you know, radical reinvention of animation. They're choosing to stick to the roots of the show. And I think that's honestly a bolder option. I guess that is um, less expected. I can agree with that. Um, I don't think it's working. Uh, We'll get to this after the finale. But um, I don't think this season has been better than last season. I don't think that they're necessarily headed in. Uh, they're not. They're definitely not fulfilling all their potential that we see from this gorgeous animation. So, uh, like to me, it's a pretty clear cut case of let's change some things up. Not. I don't think that the 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 uh, transformation sequence is at all the problem about anything. It's just annoying. But, but I don't really feel that passionately about it. Uh, also, we haven't transformed the Voltron that much, so I hadn't seen it in a while, to be honest. Um, I did, I did kind of, uh, transitioning. I did, uh, like kind of like actively want to see Voltron for the first time in a while. <laughs> like, uh, we'd seen a lot of Voltron in season one and like at the beginning of season two. And I was like, okay, like I, I'm up for seeing Voltron here. And like, and, uh, it was pretty epic, like sticking the sword into it. Uh, it did not much of like the, the most of the action was centered around the five, uh, paladins. Um, but, uh, I think that, uh, the five lions, but I think that the last sequence with, uh, the defeating of the beast went to deform Voltron. I thought was really good. One little nitpick I have with the this sequence, like I, I know I said that this episode has great great science and it is coming up, but in this <laughs> in this scene in particular, uh, not so much. Um, it's the point where Hunk's lion starts falling into the uh, into the Balmarin atmosphere, and it looks like the show writer or the storyboard artist believe that gravity turns off after you reach a certain altitude, and so he lost power and fell below that altitude, starts falling, and so. Shiro picks him up and lifts him back up, and then he's fine. Not really how orbit works. It needs uh, quite a bit of horizontal velocity to maintain orbit, and uh, they really just showed him being lifted straight up. Also, his uh, progress towards the castle stopped as soon as Shiro let him go, which in space would not happen. He would have maintained his velocity. Anyways, there you go. There you go. Uh, part one. Part two coming up. Part one. <laughs> um, any, any other comments on uh, the stuff with any of the fight sequence stuff? It was the majority of the episode. So I know we're leaving stuff out. Like, yeah. I feel like I think does Hunk almost die or is that next episode? I don't even know. That's, that's this episode. But I, yeah. on, on skimming through, I was like, whoa, that fight scene took up a crazy amount of this episode. I thought it was a smaller portion, but misremembering. Yeah, um, it's it was, it was a lot. And I think it really overall really worked like um yeah, I, I think that there's some weak stuff surrounding it, but I mean, nothing like 
super stood out to me. Like, I don't think this was a, uh, a return to, uh, return of the gladiator from season one fight sequence. Like, I don't know. That's something that, um, another thing, overall season thing, like before these two episodes, like how many fight scenes that we had this season, like especially notable ones. Uh, I feel like this the, was maybe our the most Zarkon Shiro fight scene in the uh, Mindscape I thought was pretty good, honestly. Yeah, that wasn't a traditional one, but I do agree that was one of uh, the more notable ones. Um, but I think that until I think that eleven for me probably is number one now for the season. Um, uh, Jeff, uh, thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, number one um, followed close, but not not too close, but fairly close by the first. Um, Row beast from this season, little sucky Inuyati guy. Yeah. Um, it wasn't terribly like well choreographed like this one was. It was just amazing animation and sound design. Okay, yeah, cool. I think that uh, the fact that this is our first row beast since the last one, and this is the best fight scene since this one, I think says a lot about how we haven't had kind of these major action sequences. Yeah. Oh, uh, one little note I just remembered. <laughs> uh, I was wondering last couple of episodes, why did we split off with our lions, but only bring two of them? Like, why didn't we like send yeah. all the lions out? It seems like that was done purely as a plot device for this episode. Like, one of the main plot points was, oh, we gotta get our pilots back to the castle so they can retrieve their lions. Oh no, how are we gonna do that? Where if they had just done the sensible thing and left with all their lions in the first place, we wouldn't have this problem. But you would have also had to get three lions into a Galra prison. Oh, you can have some of them hang back. Yeah. I wonder if that was thought ahead, like you said, for this episode or whether they they just said like, oh, it'd be easier to prison break with one line and it'd be it and you wouldn't and it's you wouldn't have to like hide the lines from the giant space whale. Uh you'd only have to like yeah, plant one of them maybe. on it. I do think those missions are slightly easier with because uh, they're both kind of stealth things with only one line, but the getaway is like harder and it's a lot more risky anyway. Yeah. Um, debatable tactics from <laughs> Karen and Allura there. Yes. Uh, and Shiro, I guess. I don't know. Is Shiro making decisions? <laughs> I guess, I guess he is. Yeah. Not a lot of Shiro lately. I, I think, uh, uh, plot narrative structures tell me next episode will be a big Shiro episode considering we haven't really seen him. Uh, anyway. Um, so other stuff this episode, like we mentioned earlier, was like the uh, random weird existential moment at the end. Um, I think it's very notable that they've been treating this like end of season arc as a uh, as a like uh, end of an era type thing. And they kind of been consistently doing that for a few episodes now. And here they're like, oh, remember that time that we did this and this? And they kind of said a bunch of not notable things. <laughs> but uh, it's like, so, like, really, that's what we're highlighting here looking back. It was kind of it's a little funny, though. Um, Seems like they were hanging a lantern on it, like just yeah. on purposeful being not too yeah lamp, lamp shading on this type of scene or like uh their experiences yeah um, i think it also showed like they're most for the most part they're kids like they're teenagers shiro's the oldest but like pitch is only 14 hunk and lance are somewhere near that keith might be a little bit older but for the most part they're teenagers and so i think showing that for the most part like the teenage guys remembering the stupid cafeteria pranks you know i thought that was a very humanizing moment yeah i i agree that's that's nice and this i think this moment in general for me really worked um the most notable shots where we had a shot of the back of them like i meant i've said this before this podcast with like a lens flare and i thought it was gorgeous and then we had a shot from the front and they're posing and it was gorgeous and then we had close-ups of each of their faces which we had never done on the show before and um again gorgeous really notable um kind of a powerful moment uh at the very least in terms of the animation and stuff and i also do think the narrative uh, worked enough here uh very, i'm a fan of uh, the stuff at the end of the episode for sure thoughts agree uh, a bit melodramatic for me but yeah. it was all it was it was well orchestrated De- definitely seems a little bit random but um i guess i can understand that uh but it's it's it was good so um we haven't even talked about the fact that I guess this is an Allura episode because <laughs> uh, the first uh, five, six minutes are her um, having her time in the spotlight. This is the first time that she, uh, I think, does anything this season in terms of like stepping off the ship. And uh, she goes to retrieve the crystal from Balmira, which really involves her holding her hands up to it and not really doing much else. So, And then uh, they skip over the most important part, which are get that huge crystal into the ship when they have no technology <laughs> the most the most important logical inconsistency yes right it's like, yeah oh, we done it good which yeah, is but- like not something you would say when you had just done it because he just saw you do it 
at the at the end grandma's like uh yeah yeah uh we we put it on the ship for you prince sure you <laughs> yeah, were really? watching her. really you did that <laughs> grandma you did like how did you do that yeah i agree where did we put it too that's the other <laughs> thing yeah yeah that's a, that's a great point um i think i think in general it's nice seeing the balmerans i think like, there's some wide shots of the balmeran planet which were super gorgeous i thought the crystal stuff they had some shots of uh when Allura was interacting with the crystal which they did a nice like color fade on which i really liked um oh i liked how they um when, when she asked say i need a big crystal they're like battleship or like yeah battleship battle class, class size yeah. as in like they remember back in the days when they used to be a strong supplier of these things they have all these classifications it's kind of cool right yeah this is that that was a nice callback to remind us like yeah these people uh you know a, a few months ago were just like slaves for like harvesting crystals and now that they're so that's kind of what their mind reverts to type thing that was that was a nice subtle work for me jen i agree um i like seeing shay again as we mentioned uh shay's great um probably my favorite uh non uh main character um slav i think is competing for that now but uh slav, we'll talk about slav in a minute but yeah just seeing shay great let's get shay and hunk back together like we're yes we're, I think that's she's the one. That's the yeah. She's down for it. That's the one ship we can all agree on. <laughs> just the the Shay hunk. Probably not. That's probably not an accurate statement. I feel like people will want to ship hunk with someone else, but whatever. Um, any other comments on Allure getting the crystal? Not really. I mean, it, aside from her getting the crystal, she had all this existential stuff with Karen. Like, oh, I don't know if I can do it. Or uh, I did not really care for any of that. Yeah, so she was like um, having some doubts. She mentioned her father. I think for the first time this season. Uh, I it's, like, pre- it's like she brought up these doubts and then addressed immediately. So there's no buildup or payoff. Yeah, no, it wasn't handled well. I appreciate them doing that because we've done none of that with Allura so far. Like our main plotline with Allura up to this episode is like that she's a racist now, and uh, like having some sort of like uh, sad stuff with her is good. Mentioning her father that was a blatant thing for me this season is like her father was like practically her main emotional motivation last season. We haven't heard about him at all this season, so now uh, we just very needed the. T- have this stuff happening with the Lara, but yeah, it is fast and weirdly done here. It's like when Karen at the very end, when they're actually on the um, the techno planet, can't remember their name, but uh, he's like, "Princess, I have something to tell you." And then I'm like, "Oh, is this going to be something cool?" And then no, it's not. Techno music planet? No, techno <laughs> planet. I can't remember what their I don't, name is. I don't, yeah, I don't know if we get a name for it, but it's the uh, we, we do have one. It's also an I. I don't know. It's what the Okari it o- 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 people. Oh, Okari. That's it. Yeah, I don't. Planet that, Skrill X. Skrill X. Yeah, I don't think that's the. I don't think the Okari is the name of the planet though. So no, I forget. Yeah, it doesn't have a yeah, name. Yeah. So um corin meanwhile was preparing the teledove on okari which i think is weird that they're our main ally from this season considering we'd seen them one episode right and they don't still don't do anything except provide a backdrop for making this yeah we never even see them do anything right like presumably they nope. made this thing Not but thing. we don't we don't even see them this episode the people we see them next episode like one shot but right yeah, I mean, I that was my favorite episode of the season, and that's the planet I was most attached to. So I think it's a good choice, but it is a little weird. Mm-hmm. Um, um, thoughts on the Teladove? I have more thoughts on it next episode when it actually <laughs> fires up. Okay, uh, Justin, thoughts on any of the Quran stuff? I mean, I thought that this was just kind of it was the background. It, it reminded me a lot of like Day of Black Sun, kind of part one, yeah, where. Yeah. You know, everyone's getting together and like every little one shot thing we've ever seen comes back for the big fight. And I mean, it it wasn't bad. I, I like the oh, the backdrops were gorgeous when uh, they showed Kerr uh, overseeing the Teledove. Like there was some beautiful, beautiful shots of that. Mm. And I mean, if all we got was some really pretty shots and like indications that stuff was being done to defeat Zarkon, that's all they needed to do. And they did it well. Yep. There you, so there you go with the the Okari stuff. Meanwhile, um, Thrace is finally caught uh, by Hagger, and it seems like all it seems like the uh, the uh, I keep forgetting the Druids are. It seemed like they're kind of being incompetent, and they just needed to be instructed by Hagar to do this one little thing, this kind of obvious right. thing. Uh, and it's like back. once we put like the slightest amount of thought into catching him, then yeah, okay. But this <laughs> is where my love of this episode's science comes in. Okay. So when the, the druid comes in to Hagar and says, we found this encrypted ship or whatever in the outbound quantum entanglement chain, which is not Technobabble. It is 
not a real thing either. It's impossible, but it is, ties into this really cool concept, which is called quantum entanglement, where um, you have these two particles, which their velocity and momentum and angle and all that stuff is quantumly bound as in their they spin and move exactly the same way, which is really cool because, and also they do that no matter how far apart they are in space. So you can have them on opposite ends of the galaxy and they're still spinning and moving exactly the same way. Now you'd think that this would be prime for a fashion like communications mechanism, which is what they've done here in this show. They have chains of these quantum entangled particles that they use to communicate throughout their network. Their you know multi galactic network, which is the only way you could do it, really without hyperdriving everywhere. So that's cool. Um, now, the the reason it does not work is actually kind of cool, is because when you observe a quantum entangled particle, you can either know basically you can either know its velocity, like where it's uh, what it's doing, or where it is. You can't know both. Um, it's a Heisenberg uncertainty principle. So the way this works is when you observe the particle, you don't know what it's going to be, but let's say you observe it in the up position. You know that on the other end, they are also going to observe it in the up position. But the question is, when you observed it, you changed its state. So you really can't tell who observed it first. And in that, what that means is that you really can't transmit information through this. Like say you, have, you want to do a binary protocol, so you have eight quantum entangled particle chip pairs set up, and you want to send you know, in, uh, just a hex zero one. So you measure just the first particle and not the others. Well, the other end doesn't really know what you measured because they're all random anyways, unfortunate. So that's why it does not work, but it is a very real physical thing that they're alluding to in the writing. I love it. Nice. Justin responds. <laughs> because science. Yes, there you go. Summary. Hashtag there's our, because science. There's there our Justin summary. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I find the show's relationship with like scientific fact stuff pretty pretty interesting this season. <laughs> on and off. Uh, we'll, we'll be tracking that here. Uh, Justin, thoughts on how this um, three stuff uh, was handled this episode? I mean, it was a cool step in like the kind of spy story we have going on i just like the druids man those are some cool looking dude like i like the druid design like that's that's cool i like the druids and that's all i have to say on the subject the druids are cool i actually really agree with you i think we have our first druid fighting uh this season like last season the episode before the finale had a really big druid fight i think with keith again actually um and I loved that, and I love the Druids fighting, and I think their design is great, and I really think they've underused them this season. So I'm hoping you know they really remind me of um, headless monks from Doctor Who, because you can like, where, where are their heads? You know, they're, they're gone. Yeah, are are they hoods? Are those hoods up or like? I don't even. <laughs> I, I I can't even. Remember. I guess they we see them close up, but I don't even remember off the top of my head. We have to yeah, we have to we have to study the Druids here. Yes. I am a fan. Although uh, I. At the very end, when they say, um, and then uh, Hagar's like, enough questions, I will get the truth out of you another way, or whatever. So this was like, I really wanted to know how um, how he was able to lie to her earlier, because it sounded like she was going to use some truth-telling magic to find out if he was lying, and then he didn't, and they're like, ooh, how? So with next episode, we see that, that that black magic ball that she was conjuring during her questioning is really just a like charged up magic strength thing. So it seems like she was just, in, um, you know, interrogating him and trying to um, threaten him and then judging by his responses, if he was trying to be evasive or not. So really just more psychological than magic. Yeah. I think, I think uh, this episode supports the Jeff intimidation theory here. Uh, I, I would agree. Um, last thing this episode I want to point out is the use of Slav. Uh, we're wondering, like, is Slav just a major character now? He's, he's on our team. Uh, and between this and next episode, we get a fair amount of Slav. Um, we, we had uh, Shiro yelling at Slav in the beginning, which was, I thought, not great. But um, I felt bad for Slav. And uh, I'm Team Slav in the, the Shiro-Slav fight. Um, and uh, But more than that, it's like uh, we talked a lot about how um, Slav uh, representing OCD and mental illness and um, how... I I think this episode they trend more towards the uh, weird timelines type 
uh, part of Slav than the like compulsions part of Slav. Um, like they do more like uh, the this timeline like uh, type stuff of him, which I think is probably a good call. Uh, I make. agree. I would have hoped that uh, if if it's a real thing, like he actually is, you know, cued into these different timelines. I wish they would use that more than just have him be an engineer. Yeah, because that's really all he did this episode. Yeah, he's yeah. just like the science guy in the crew, and uh, he he mentions uh, keeps mentioning the the timelines. And it seems less like a compulsion this episode and more just like a real power, superpower. Like, um, I, 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 it's like, I thought that previously we we're like, okay, this is just him, his way of expressing his nervousness about, uh, certain situations. Like, um, but if this is a real thing, clearly we need to do more with it because <laughs> it changes the entire show if it's a real thing. Right. Uh, but yeah, what you, what, yeah, we didn't get your take on Slav, Justin. What are your thoughts on him? I like Slav. I didn't think of the OCD thing at all because I'm so used to like science fiction. My initial theory was that he either was part of some experiment or worked on something that like he was so involved in working with like alternate timelines and alternate realities and different dimensions and possibly some kind of experimentation from the Galra that like he's now like he can't process just one reality like he's stuck thinking of these different realities like that it's because of kind of what the galra did to him plus maybe his own research that they then exploited i, I really so like i thought that, it, yeah i yeah. i thought it was like less about him and maybe like he can't see every reality but his mind thinks in that way Right, so extra- explaining the uh, realities thing, you're you're saying like he was once involved with like this, uh, jo- this like Im- like so immersed in his like uh, different timelines research that he's just still kind of in that mindset type thing. Like, like we don't know how long the Galra, because I mean, we saw in episode ten the the helmet or whatever they were using. We don't know how long the Galra had him and what they did. My theory is he was just a researcher on parallel universes, and then. The Galra tried to exploit that, and that led to kind of what we see now. Nice. Yeah, no matter what, he's definitely tortured to a certain extent, like we saw in the last episode. But um, I, I do like this like uh, research back backstory, this headcanon for, for Slav. Thumbs up. Uh, yeah, let's work on our Slav fan fiction. Yeah, let's get that going. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I randomly thought of this, but Slav going to be a uh, interesting player in the eventual Voltron Survivor season, <laughs> Justin. <laughs> <laughs> oh no yeah, how, how would slav fare on the island anyway uh so yeah that's oh. all that's all i get for uh staying alive um i oh. think yeah i think that we kind of uh set our overall thoughts in the beginning so yeah i'm i'm big i think this is probably a top three episode for me but we'll see so let's get on to uh last comments on staying alive no good yeah why is it called that <laughs> that's my comment because the bgs yeah, why is there? Why is it not staying alive? And also, why is it uh, called that episode at all? I don't know. Um, let's talk episode twelve, best laid plans, um, which would imply that it would not succeed because uh, best laid plans, whatever the expression is, fail or something. You know, like whatever the laid waste. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, they kind of everything kind of just goes great this episode. <laughs> That's uh, I assume things will complicate in our finale, but uh, kind of just everything works here. Um, so, uh, let's, oh, this, this, we have a lot here. We have, uh, the, you know, just everything from the start of the plan to luring, uh, Zarkon to Keith boarding the ship to eventually wormholing. So, oh, uh, thoughts on this episode, Jeff? Um, still not a fan of how they're using, um, their various people. Like we have Slav, who's just the engineer. Also, so he, uh, is doing a gravity journey thing. It would have been really great if they would have tied him back to the um, blade of Mamora outpost. Like, oh, this guy named Slav, you know, designed our gravity mm. generator. Let's go free him so we can make a bigger one. Um, and as far as the uh, blade of Mamora, blade of Mamora go at all, you know, we have these two operatives on the castle. But aside from that, they're really not doing anything. So I'm, I wish they would have done more with that. Um, yeah. The uh, space fighting was fun. Not quite as fun as last episode, but I'm just really excited to see how this all ties up because we get to see Zarkon's cool armor. Oh, yeah. Uh, Zarkon's cool armor. We'll we'll speculate on that. Overall enjoyed it, though? Overall enjoyed it. Okay. Justin, thoughts on best laid plans? 
my two takeaways from this episode are Zarkon and uh, Hagar are turning into Megatron and Starscream very, very quickly. And I have a feeling that soon we will see Zarkon killed and Hagar take over or at least Zarkon out of commission temporarily. That's just speculation on my part. No idea. But I, I like what they're doing. We don't see this trope enough, I think, of the main villain becoming so just power hungry that the second in command takes over. I enjoy that trope very much. Uh, and then my other thing was Keith plus Alora equals question mark. Because that hug oh. was just, <sighs> that was a yeah. weird. Oh, I called it. I'm, I'm all uh, over this. Yeah. yeah. And also yeah. I'm now thinking Keith is going to die, isn't he? And Alora is yeah. going to spend season three being like, because I, I still think Alora is going to become the red paladin. She's going to be like, I have to uh, live up to Keith's potential because I never thought Agara could be good. And he was, and he sacrificed himself for me. And now I have to save the day. And I mean, I'm, I don't want it. I think they could do it well. I also think they could do it poorly. Let's just avoid it. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll have death watch at the end for sure. That's always my favorite pre finale activity. We've been doing that with Ruby. Um, Death Watch 2K17. I, yeah, last podcast, I, uh, laid forth the, uh, uh, the Hagar is the true villain theory. So, uh, and I was very excited by that prospect that, uh, some Zarkon would, uh, either die or start to become good somehow, um, or like some sort of ally. And Hagar would be our, our true villain, which I was very excited about. And then I thought for, and then, she uh, it seemed like she died this episode and i was very upset and then she came back and is more angry than ever so i'm very excited for that like that's my number one uh hope going into the finale is uh hagar is hagar like power crazy like doing awesome things maybe takes over zarkon as the true villain like that i, I guess the use of hagar for i was ready to to be like i hate it that they killed hagar what a waste and then um probably my favorite aspect of this episode is is uh what they did with her here very, you know, very exciting. I'm predicting something along the lines of what they did with Black Beetle in season two finale of, um, of Young Justice, if you're familiar. Yeah, I, I haven't I, I seen it yet. I don't I particularly I, remember. I, I'm not going to spoil it, but, but yeah. it's a similar thing. Yeah. Um, so very, we'll get into Hagar here. Um, I think one of the more interesting things the show is doing. Um, overall, Best Laid Plans was... Uh, uh, pretty good. Uh, I think there's um a lot of stuff happening. I, yeah, like clearly Slav and the two uh, Blade of Mummer agents are not utilized well. Like they're just standing there, <laughs> those two, and they don't do anything. Um, it was weird seeing that this episode structure. They lay out a plan. They do the plan. Um, unfortunately, three says to die in the process, but um, that's it. You know. You know, he looked an awful. His facial structure looked an awful lot like Keith's father in the flashback. <laughs> Wait. So what? What is the implication here? That Keith's father's a shapeshifter. <laughs> Wait, that's what you went with? <laughs> Not some uh, racist, like some uh, some uh, relative, or like uh, he was. Uh, oh, that, that's probably more more his possible. grandfather or something, you know, yeah. like uh, and because uh, they could age differently. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> he's a shapeshifter. I like. They should do something random like that, though. I would enjoy that. Yeah, and then existential Keith at the end. Yeah, also they really teased us uh, Keith death death year. Um, and then he didn't die. Hagar and Keith seem like they're going to die. Keith doesn't die. Like, Keith goes on the suicide mission. Then we know it's going to explode. And then he escapes. Um, would be weird to kill Keith uh, after uh, blatantly doing a misdirect on his death episode before. Um, I've seen weirder, but uh, that'd be a weird move. We'll discuss that. So specifics let's start off with the fact that uh they lay out this plan and then at the end of the episode um they've wordenhold zarkon uh and the paladins and their castle to uh to this distant space wherever they are the virus is in the system's down and they form voltron ready to attack uh, zarkon's powerless virus infested ship yay and this worked out for them but they did not deserve this win and the reason (laughs) is reason is that Allura is an idiot, as far as tactics go. Because she's like, oh, you sissies, you don't want to wait. We gotta go move now. That's why you're all behind. I'm like, chill. You can hold this thing in reserve and use it when you're ready, not when you have no idea if your operative's even there. You know, who, who cares if it takes another month or two to put someone on the inside? Because they don't even know how long the gravity generator is going to work to conceal this thing. They could at least run a test or two, right? But I mean, Jeff, they, it's it's the episode before the finale. It had to happen now. 
Well, they can do a montage. I mean, (laughs) Um, I will say whenever uh, characters, uh, whenever you like blame Alara for that, uh, writers clearly put Alara in this position for no reason. (laughs) Like, this is a constructed thing. Like, it's like, why did we end up with Alara espousing this idea? Right? Like, it's just something that happened this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, uh, you know, mm-hmm. like, I guess we're, we're going for the, uh, the, uh, like spur of the moment type thing, like uh, heroics, I guess. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's just, they all have seemed so smart going like in the past of this season, why they have to throw out the window now. I don't understand why Allure is in charge of the Blade of Mamara here. Like why do, if they didn't, if they don't want to participate, then just don't participate. Like you seem, you're well, seemingly your. <laughs> yeah, they just stood there. To be fair, they did just stand there. Um, they could, you probably, I feel like the Blade of Memory, a powerful organization, could have called this off. Uh, I guess we don't really know if they're powerful. They kind of seem not to be doing anything. Well, um, I mean, well, because they, they couldn't have called it off because they didn't have anything to call off. They had their operative. With, it's it like they don't have a ship. It's it, All they did was have the idea to get Slav, I guess. <laughs> like, like uh, Maybe. They didn't even say that. They didn't even say that that was their idea. Presumably that was their idea, but who knows? <laughs> right. They've kind of been useless since they like, uh, uh-huh. They presented us them as like this resistance group, but it seems like they're more just this um, small uh, group that's mostly just been in hiding. I'm really hoping they come out and enforce next episode, the very finale. Oh, you know, it'd be interesting is if um, Zarkon's defeated and uh, Blade of Mamura uh, has different ideas about what to do next. Mm. It turns into their Our... kind of they, the antagonist next season. It's like uh, Akuvira. Of, uh, Akuvira and uh, an end of World War II with Russia type thing, you know. Um, see, I was going Cora. You're going like real world. I got <laughs> really, really see like because you're always like Voltron has to be like Cora. So I'm like Guvira, and you're like Russia. Nope, come on, Justin. Gotta. What are you in school for? Gotta gotta learn. Can we watch thing. Italia next? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, see, I think that'd be that'd be an interesting direction to go. Actually, I think the Zarkon like going down might be the favorite. Like next episode, like that might be. Uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll discuss that at the end for speculation. But um, yeah, where Zargon seems not to be in a good position going into this. Uh, he has his armor, I guess. <laughs> That's he's got going for him. Um, so this giant space fight, uh, very reminiscent of a Star Wars fight, I think, with um, the 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 the, the different uh, droid ships blasting at the uh, at the uh, lions flying around, shooting stuff, getting people places. Uh, well, you, so- you skipped over the Keith Alura hug. We'll get it's it's low it's lower down on the outline. I'm going by okay. importance, not uh, oh, I yeah. I really <laughs> not thought important. we were getting a kiss, man. I didn't. Oh, okay, I save was... it, save it, save it. What do you think about this giant space fight, Justin? It's a giant space fight, Dylan. I loved it. It's <laughs> okay. a giant space fight. Yes, that is space. what it is. I said I that. Fights. Okay. I love, I love giants. There were no giants. One of my there. favorite movies. There are I no love giants. Giant, nice giant try, space fight. It's great. Okay, good analysis. <laughs> Jeff, what did you think of the giant space fight? Um, really, really good stuff. Especially, I'm I'm looking right now at the part where um, where Shiro's clearing a path for Keith through, but he's just like carving up this this tunnel of of doom and destruction. Love it, and uh, and he's it's really showcases the power of the Black Land because he holds off this entire fleet for you know minutes, uh, and then until the rest of the lions show up and start throwing yeah. down. So with it's really his, good. With his mouth blade. Yeah. Jaw yeah. blade. Jaw blade. <laughs> still looks kind of stupid. But, yeah, but, yeah, it's a really goofy thing. <laughs> still looks kind of stupid. I'm, I'm really, I, I, I would love it if they could actually have these lions be lions or like sh- show their abilities that only come from being in the lion form factor because right now a really awesome spaceship could do what he's doing. They don't yeah, have to. Can, be in line yeah, it doesn't. It just doesn't need to be in his jaw. It's just that it's just a normal blade, like uh, <laughs> protruding from a thing. Like, <laughs> I agree. That's, that's interesting. It, it, I, th- I do think they animate stuff with it well, though. It's kind of cool. Um, yeah. So you know, a lot of yeah, I don't know. There's the giant space fight. Not much uh, discussion to be had. But I thought it was mostly successful. I do. I do agree. The staying alive space fight was better. Uh-huh. Yeah. Would this be your uh, second ranked fight of the season? It's hard. It's hard to like say this is a fight because it's like a giant battle sequence. Yeah, over not the course of... of like different things mm-hmm. like happening. Sort of like hack and slash. So I mean, I'd say this might be number three after the first released. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. Yeah. 
Um, let's talk about this Keith plot. So, um, Thrace isn't coming aboard. First of all, the plan was pretty flimsy if it relies on uh, the guy who's probably going to be captured. <laughs> you know, you, you should have seen this coming, I think. Um, that 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 Thrace would not communicate with you now. But uh, Keith volunteers uh, to board the ship, um, and it's and uh, the the Order of Malmar guys like, yeah, sure, that that solves all our qualms here. Um, but uh, Keith, yeah, brave brave Keith mission. Um, I don't know, J- Justin. Any comments on this in terms of Keith's arc this season? I thought it was. Um, I mean, I was fine with Keith having to go on this mission. I, th- I, it's Keith. I mean, he's been doing stuff. He did a thing. Keith did a thing, and last season that was like non-existent. So, good Keith, do good. a thing. I'm good proud Keith. of you. Yeah. Um, just, just stay away from Allura. Like five five feet barrier. <laughs> Uh, save room for you, whatever. But yeah, save room for uh, what Quiznax? Whatever. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what's our equivalent for Quiz? I don't think that's how Quiznax work. But that's uh, a curse word. Yeah, oh Quiznax. Yeah, we got that here. Um, but uh, we had uh, yeah. This I guess this is like the Zuko solo mission, kind of in uh, in Avatar season one. Back to our Justin mandated Avatar references. Well um, but I don't know. This this type of plot usually isn't super sympathetic, but I think Keith was not um he was fine. Like I, I didn't hate Keith here. He was he was, you know. Like if this is Zuko, then um Southern Raiders would be the hug. Are you yeah. comparing are you comparing Keith Alara to um Azutara? Yes, quite yes. I think it is yeah, I agree in terms of my uh hatred <laughs> for it. So <laughs> there we can we can do that. Um, it's obviously hate Zutara much more than I don't know. Zutara's than, uh, fine. I mean, they oh, get out with everything. that nonsense, Justin. You, that is not an acceptable opinion on any from the Spirit World lineage podcast. You can, I, I might have to bleep that out. That was like so profane. I, I don't know if I can deal with that. Dylan, if you dare try please, to censor please, me please, for please, that, please, please apologize to everyone listening to this podcast, Justin, for your profane language. Dylan, if you call me out on liking Zutara one more time, I will write Zutara fan fiction and link it all over the overly animated website. Um, you know, that's not much of a punishment because you writing Zutara fan fiction would be kind of funny and a punishment in its own right. So I'll accept that anyway. Um, yeah, I don't know if it, I might have to go. It's too much. I might have to bleep that out. I don't know. Uh, so, so I don't even remember what we're talking about. So Keith boards the ship and, um, yeah so what do we think of this thing where the druids uh free thrace in order to like set him up did the, oh i guess that's what they did yeah yeah it was kind of weird how they just walked out like okay bye they did this to learn what their plan was but what is the what did that end up doing for them knowing that they're trying to shut off the system one could they not have figured that out on their own two what does that knowledge give them right like yeah. Oh, we caught you in the act. Now we know you're bad. Like, come right. On. Like you already. It did, I don't think it's not like you need evidence to try him. Like <laughs> you know, this is our this is our Zarkon dictatorship. I don't think he cares. Um, I mean, we already established how dumb the druids are. So it's probably like their own idea. Like you know, Hagar was like he. She told us to let him. You know, go and retrieve it. So we figure out what he was up to. So we'll do it again. And uh-huh. and she'll be really impressed with us, won't she? Yeah, was that Hagar mandated or was that just them being stupid? Um, like at first, it doesn't. It just seems like they're being idiots and that they're not intentionally trying to do it. But then at the end, they're like, "Ha! Now we know." And I'm like, "Okay, so <laughs> yeah." Now for dramatic tension, cool, yeah. cool. Yeah, didn't didn't enjoy that plot. Um, and then Thrace, uh, Keith joins with Thrace. They have their bonding moments. Uh, they fight stuff off. I think is, I guess, pretty good action. And then uh, Thrace blows everything up, and Keith escapes. It's cool how these like big red wire like crystal things hanging on the wall are actually like super electrified, and when you throw a druid into it, they explode. <laughs> Seems not safe to be. <laughs> well, That's not many people are throwing out. druids. I think Zarkon needs to work on his safety protocols. He I needs guess to read the uh, the Evil Overlord's Handbook. Is what? Yeah. Uh, is that a thing? And can I? Oh, have a copy? oh, I'd love it. It's so fun. It's, it's an internet legend. Go go Google oh, it. Nice, nice. Um, yeah, other than that, I thought this was good. But uh, the, my my pl- my highlight of this is when it explodes, and um, yeah, I think you think Hagar's gonna die, but she doesn't die. I, this was the most emotionally I reacted to this um, 
this episode. Not because I particularly care about Hagar, but just because uh, within the structure of our narrative, she represents a lot of potential to shake things up, which I'm very invested in right now. Right. If she had died, I would have been really mad. Like, come on. Waste yeah. Because it's like Zarkon's clearly going in such a tropey uh like blind direction here and if it's for a purpose to do something interesting to my next episode then you know that's cool but um killing hagar clearly would have been a bad move but yeah they they play that pretty well i think i don't know how she uh saves herself there's no not even a uh zuko barely perceptible uh like fire barrier that if you break it down shot by shot you see once the pirates blow them up um type thing right. like we don't even see anything come up uh but you know she's magic and maybe immortal so Magic's kind of magic. Yeah. Um, Justin, thoughts on uh, this Hagar stuff? I definitely think next season ha- uh, Hagar is our main antagonist. Like, they're, they're setting it up. We'll talk, yeah, we'll really talk excited. about it. Okay. Um, Slav in this episode, Slav in the, uh, the uh, gravity, gravity generator. Um, that was frustrating because what's the point right. of any of that? I don't know. <laughs> He's like, yeah, the gravity generator is good. He was serious, though, the whole time. That was cool. Like, he was determined and focused. He didn't, you know, he wasn't silly. Uh-huh. Um, one important Slav line is where he said, "Not there's now no reality where all of us yes. survive. Yes, that will be our death watch line. So oh, Somebody yeah. dying. Right. Now, then, granted, if they say that somebody was Zarkon, I'm, th- that's, ah. We'll see. We'll see. It Jeff, thoughts on, our... yeah, we'll come back to that. Jeff, thoughts on the Teledove here. Okay, so we know what a Teledove looks like and acts like because we fixed it on the castle right it's a cylindrical chamber where you bounce a laser off a lot of crystals and cool stuff happens and then they throw all that imagery away for this cool looking thing and I'm like could they plus please like i don't know they just used what we already knew like make a connection so the audience knows oh oh i've seen this before this that's teledov right so i mean if you you remember those like spider graphs back in the day those little pencil drawing things Making those designs in a ring. Yes, like they could have used that, or like you know, bounce the laser off the edge of the ring to make some cool line design. Something just to call back to that concept would have been great. Although I love the inside of the wormhole. Just okay, was great. cool. Yeah, I thought the Teledove was pretty underwhelming. It was just kind of a thing that descended on them very slowly. <laughs> and then notice um, as it's ascending, all those tiny little ships, like. The whole point of the Teledove is to isolate his ship from his fleet. Well, what good is that if the tiny ships get caught up in it as well? So they conveniently explode. Yeah, I, I, it's, I guess they turned the tiny the, uh, the droids turned off from the uh, system going down. But yeah. Oh, that's uh, another thing, and I hate that too. Like, come on, man, got We're doing this whole Independence Day. Shut off the main ship. Everything else goes dead. Why? Yeah. Why would their technology be so dependent on? You know, why doesn't it have internal programming to take over? Like, it doesn't have a battery. Like, right. it, yeah, do, do batteries not exist? Battery backup? Like, uh, and this yeah. was even like before the virus went in, which, by the way, the virus did nothing. Yeah, what is the, yeah, well, I guess we'll see next episode, but there seems to be no point so far for the virus. Right. It's just a word. We blew, we blew up the system. That's not what, like, left them without power. The virus, the virus was not, like, doing that. So who knows yeah. what that will do. Maybe it can infect Zarkon's cool new armor. <laughs> maybe, maybe I do want to know what the difference is between how the Teladov works and how Zarkon's ship gets around. Because they seem to operate on very different principles, and I'm wondering what the trade-offs are. Zarkon uses dark magic. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. No no answers for you there. Okay, you've been asking for it. Let's discuss our uh, big Keith Allura scene. Um, Keith, Allura apologizes to Keith kind of out of nowhere, but, um, you know, I also thought it was kind of out of nowhere, her being like blatantly racist the rest of the season. So what can you do? And uh, I mean, it's, it's, you understand where she's emotionally coming from, as she says here, like we're, we're constantly reminded, like, yeah, I killed all of her people. These, these people. Um, need a flashback. And then, we need flashback. Yeah. We, we could have seen some more emotional anchoring there. Oh, yeah. Um, but then, uh, Laura hugs, hugs Keith and, uh, says, please come back to us. Hmm, so nice. Were you, were, you, were you into it, Jeff? Yeah. <laughs> yeah? Like, yeah. I mean, okay. oh, I haven't shown you a picture I, I made up of those two earlier. Because when okay. they embrace in space, it's very, um, it's very, uh, Katara-like. 
It is. I, I know what you're talking about. The uh, uh, the episode where they're like alone together, which that's a Steven Universe episode, but you know my point. The thing with the pod and the, the mm. group were bad for the group in that episode. I got yeah, some Keith sure. Allura vibes from that episode too. Yeah, sure. Um, Justin, you were shipping it? I, I don't <laughs> want to ship it because Delaney has dragged me into arm legs so hard at this point that I don't want to ship it. But at the same time, I'm very easily hooked on whatever I'm presented. I'm a, I'm very much a sheep when it comes to narratives in media. I'm not one to resist the show creator. So, like, if, if they're gonna ship it, I'm gonna ship it. Like, yeah, you you sheeple, you sheeple. I, I don't know if this is what we'll see if this is what they're doing. I mean, clearly this was like intended to be a minor thing, but um, like, I don't want to ship uh, Voltron. Oh, I see with the uh, Katara side glance. Um, yeah, I don't, I mean, Allura is very guitar like in general, but, uh, let's not compare that to a catting scene and I'm not up for that. Uh, that was Jeff showing the picture, but, um, yeah, I'm really not, I could not give less of a crap about Allura and Keith. Uh, I also could give less of a crap about Allura and Shiro. Um, I really hate both of them. Uh, the, not the characters, the ships, but, uh, like I don't see any chemistry. I don't think either care either character's been characterized to a point where it's like i completely agree like it, it shouldn't happen yet i'm just like of all the pairings that wouldn't like, if, if they were going to put development into, into some pairing well let's do that and just see what yeah, happens. i guess i guess them tying this to a uh, allura like and Ke- allura and keith's characters has been fine like kind of, like that's that's better than just randomly inserting it um like had the character moments with keith finding out he's an alien and allura reacting that badly um the, yeah, the big, like, I guess yeah, the big problem with the Keith and Allure, if you go in that route, is that you've kind of built up this um, excellent uh, uh, Lance and Keith dynamic last season that has been incredibly absent for this season. Um, so Allure, uh, pairing Allure with Keith just, like, uh, rubs salt in the wounds of the fact that that's not being a thing. Um which it's like, what was the point of anything that happened last season? Like, the- it's not, even if you don't ship it, they just haven't even been interacting. Well, like, the thing is... Um, as much as we talk about, you know, how great Korra was and how great uh, Korasami is, not every relationship that happened in Korra was, like, Korasami-level great. Because, I mean, we hope they learned their lesson, but, I mean, Korra Mako was just so rushed. Well, um, yeah, sure. You had I mean, some other is... relationships that just weren't that level, and not everything they do from here on out, I think, is going to be Korasami. Because, I mean, Korasami is one of those things that just took years of planning and um set up and it we can't you, you were saying like they shouldn't do it yeah this is a bad idea this isn't i think we're still comparing this to core like too much almost we're not probably gonna get the magic of korasami again unfortunately and i, I think there's gonna be some bad stuff along the way if we do get something like that we're gonna get a koromako kind of thing we're gonna get a um uh, Janora, whatever the guy's name, who I forget, we're gonna <laughs> not, not get impo- these rushed. Yeah, we're gonna get these uh, rushed plots again. I think, I, I think, think, I think these are largely different, like independent circumstances in terms of the people making creative decisions on uh, Voltron. The overlap would be Tim Hedrick and Josh Hamilton. Um, Tim Hedrick is the head writer here. Mike was the head writer in Cora. Like and Brian aren't involved. Joaquin and Lauren weren't weren't aren't weren't making creative decisions in that level in Korra. I think it's largely independent events is what I would say. Like, um, like I, I don't know if you're talking about in terms of like well-presented romance or in terms of queer representation. Um, I think it is Both. reasonable. I think it is reasonable for, to expect them to have like learned some lesson for the fact that having representation is important from Korra. Like, I don't think like it resets and they, they would want to do this. Um, I guess I do think your point of like, uh, you know they haven't it's it's not like they're going in uh it's not like this is a direct continuation and maybe they're going to struggle on their own to get to places is is a fair point um but again i think it's largely largely independent tim tim's running the show here with the writing and mike was running the show with uh with cora anyway um well so that's yeah so let's let's end with our speculation so here's my main candidates for De- voltron death watch uh 2k17 um we got uh three three candidates you got keith alura and shiro um and i'll explain keith because um 
they kind of have this uh, teasing this episode with like the don't come back, the please come back type thing. And they tease his death here. Alara, because she's very weak at the end. And we heard uh, in an episode 11, um, they're like, you might not survive this. And then Shiro, because Shiro always can die. And I think they did that last season, too. <laughs> like, uh, didn't Shiro like almost die at the end of last season? I don't even remember. Yep. Yeah. So that's always that's always uh, that's always a possibility. So um which one of the three will die or none, Jeff? In order of probabilities, I would say Shiro and Keith are up there and Allura, eh, not so much, I think. I'm thinking of like just the arc of an episode with Allura already on the verge of death to have her like deteriorate yeah. slowly and then die seems not really that satisfying. Yeah, um, Corin says she's fine, so. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. Uh, Justin, I think that yeah, I think it's unlikely we're going to see Alora die. I think it's very likely we see Keith die because what's left with his arc at this point is to find out kind of why he's part Galra or how, and like he wants to find out where he came from. We can see that explored through the other paladins, the like them wanting to find for Keith's sake, like to kind of like give that uh, resolution. I could see that happening. Shiro, on the other hand, his arc directly involves him needing to be alive. His fight with Zarkon, his arm, all that stuff. We can't explore that through the other characters. We need Shiro alive for that. So I think it's very possible Keith will die. But also, I think it's possible Zarkon will die. And we haven't talked about that. Yeah, just for now, these three. Yeah, I don't think any of the three are dying. Um, I don't, Lur is certainly not. I don't think Keith will because... Um... You know, they already just teased his death here, and I don't know what purpose him dying serves. Either the, the, the Justin point of get to learn the red line, I think, is something, but I don't, I'm not convinced they want to do that right now. Um, like, they certainly didn't use her at all. Then again, they might want to course correct and fix that by doing that. Um, yeah, I don't Shiro know. Shiro is going to lose his other arm. Just like. <laughs> Slav, Slav will be so happy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'd be, yes you could have it. two. Yeah, you got to, yeah. Um, the two robot arms. Yeah, Shiro, I guess, by by default, would be my pick for most likely to die, but I also don't think he's dying. I don't know what purpose that serves. Like, he hasn't been the focus of recent episodes, so who cares, um, is what I'd say. Um, yeah, I don't think any of them will. I would like for someone to, but uh, not a lot. Shiro or Keith would be great. Let's Love that. Thirsty Dylan, 2K17. Karan. Karan, yeah. Please, no. That's why he's going to die. Yeah, I think that that it would be a possibility, but um, clearly the show, show would suffer without him. So I mean, I he sort of has he's been wrapping up, you know, being all supportive of. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's like it's like you don't need him anymore. You can handle stuff on your own now. Um, just the show structure is such in need of his uh his comedy, though. Like they don't really have a they don't have a good replacement here. Slav, I guess, but it's a different type of thing. Um. Yeah. So Zark. So what's okay? Last prediction: Zarkon and uh, Hagar. What's happening with them next episode? Justin, you think Zarkon's dying? And I think Zarkon. I think Zarkon either dies or ends up disgraced and alone, and we get like Rogue Zarkon in season three as like a a third party that comes back eventually. But I think Hagar will definitely be head of the Galra Empire next season. Would it even be as a Galram? Is 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 Allura, Is uh is Hagar Galra? <laughs> like. She has the glowy uh, eyes and the purple skin. Even if she's not, she would lead the Galra Empire, I think. Okay. Interesting. Uh Jeff, what are your what are your predictions? Hagar this is gonna betray um Zarkon in his moment of need. Um although it was weird, like last episode she showed quite a bit more deference to him yeah. than I thought she still had. Yes. She's like, Oh, sire, mistake, you know, I spoke out of turn. But come on, you know. Pick it up. Yeah, she she defaulted back to that, but she was very angry after the blow up, though. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. as far as um, what's going to happen to him, if he doesn't die, I don't see him really. I mean, he's so one dimensional. It would be interesting if they gave him some more to do to be this third party, but they would have to do quite a bit of work to establish that as credible. Yeah. So, yeah, I think the thing to do narratively with this arc is to have Zarkon, um go for the black line and put uh and put Hagar in some sort of choice where she could either um 
like Zarkon's in danger, but going for the black line and he can like get it if um, Alora like shoots someone. Uh, but if that happens, then she's like surrendering their ship or something. So it's like a choice between like uh, their position strategically and Zarkon's like irrational need for the black lion. And she um, betrays him by choosing the, the right line for the Garan empire type thing. Um, like, I just it's, really it, hope she doesn't turn to be like pure good. Please. No. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I think she's. I think I guess Zarkon's more likely to turn. Um, I don't think Zark. I don't know what they're going to do with Zar- the Zarkon's. Just been so one-dimensional re- recently, and it has to be for a purpose to do something narratively interesting. Hopefully, next next episode. Um, and I definitely hope that involves Hagar and Power because, um, like, that's like it's like a good two for one. It's like a three for one with uh, that's a magic term. But you get three things for the price one. It's um, you get uh, you get uh, one, you get a shake up in the overall narrative, which I think is needed. Two, you get uh, Hagar in Power, which I think is cool potential. And three, you get more prominent, you you get a uh, more prominence of the Druids, which is uh, something we also want with uh, Hagar and Power. So, like, I think it's only positives if. I guess you guess you lose Zarkon um, being evil, which I think is good. Like Zarkon's pretty good, but uh, I think the, the the that's outweighed by the potential benefits of shaking things up here. So I, I'm definitely hoping for that. So we will see what happens. And my big prediction, though, is that not much changes. I <laughs> guess I think the show is much less likely to shake things up than another show would. Uh, maybe I'll be wrong, but we will see uh, right now because we're about to go watch the Pakistan that one. <laughs> so, uh, well, here's my convoluted scenario. Here's what's going to happen: is um, Shiro is going to be put in a position where he can he, he needs to free Allura, who's being held captive by Zarkon, and he's like, "Hey, Zarkon, I'll give you the Black Lion. Just uh, let Allura go and let everyone else go, and and leave this place and let us take your ship and destroy it." And he's like. Sweet. And Hagar's like, no, I'm not cool with that. And she kills him and everything else and she goes evil. Yeah, some sort of Hagar. Um, it's like Hagar's not going to betray him unless it's for a specific strategic purpose type thing. Like he's, he has to be acting illogically, I think. So um, I, I agree. Something like that's very possible. So we will see. Uh uh, come back for our finale and season long discussion coming up next um overly animated.com so if you're watching on youtube subscribe there if you're watching it on a podcast feed subscribe there for all our voltron coverage um thank you very much to uh, you can consider supporting us at patreon.com slash overly animated thank you very much to all of our patrons especially our patron of the podcast jade aka jewel uh, thank you very much, Jade, for all your support, continued support. Um, you can uh, learn more about the be- benefits of becoming a patron uh, at patreon.com slash animated. Okay, let's get to the finale. Um, I'll be, in terms of when you guys hear that, I'll be putting that up pretty soon after this the next day. So, um, yeah, uh, last comments. Cannot let's do wait. It. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, thank you very much for listening, guys, and we will see you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.